Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Last Zebra. I'm your host, Ugo Ezema. And as always, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment, and keep on engaging. And today I have my lovely guest, uh, Vivian Cortez. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming through. Um, I know you drove some ways to get here. By mm -hmm. some ways, I mean like an hour and some change. But mm -hmm. yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um... I was born in Honduras, mm. which is a country in Central America, very small. Um, and then when I was six years old, um, my parents made the decision of coming to the United States. Um, so my father, actually, he moved here in 2005. Then a year later, um, we moved. After. After. Mm. So he had been here a year alone, and he missed us so much that yeah, he said... You guys need to come over so we can all be a family again. So little six-year-old me arrived to the United States along with my three other siblings and my mom. And we've been here since then. Um, are you the oldest? No, I am uh, three out of four. So I am... The second youngest? Second youngest, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't know how to phrase it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, that's kind of similar to me, actually. So my... When, when we moved from Nigeria to Jamaica, um, my dad left Nigeria first in, two, oh. in 1995. Mm -hmm. And he was there for a year. And then we followed after in, two, in 1996. I moved to Jamaica and joined him there. Um, what was that transition like from? Do you remember? I remember, like, you know, when I was on the way, when we were traveling and stuff, mm -hmm. I remember glimpses, just like, you know, little memories. But when we actually got to the United States, mm -hmm. like memories a lot clearer, you know, it was definitely a lot of adjustment. Like I feel like, um, you know, just the culture and everything. The first year we would get sick a lot. Just, you know, oh, wow. the change in everything. The food was different. Um, you know, it's 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 a different country, different foods, different everything. Right, so right, right, right. just things we weren't accustomed to. Are you um, are you do you feel like. You still have a piece of Honduras that, you know, you guys manifest at home. Is that still very much how... Because a lot of times when people move over to almost any other nation, they try to, I guess, acclimatize to that new nation and, mm -hmm. and, and essentially forget the where they're where they're from do you guys feel like you're still holding on to oh for sure 100 yeah. percent. i feel like a part of me just like longs to be there at least for a little while you know it's like the place where you're born it's like i feel like it's always going to be in you yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, yeah. you never you never just get rid of that have you been back since you left i haven't oh definitely wish to go in the near future that's awesome mm -hmm. so you're a nurse Mm -hmm. you're a are you are you still considered a baby nurse is this still would you still say you're a baby nurse you're a year out of your out of uh, nursing school is that correct no uh i graduated in may oh so not exactly a year not even a year yet not even a year do you still think of yourself as a baby nurse i do yeah i do you know some days are better than others but <laughs> it's critical care is def definitely a a different world, you know? And that's how we met. Um, we work in the same ICU mm -hmm. at our humble hospital. Yes. Um, yes. And so you're an ICU nurse. Mm -hmm. How did you decide that you wanted to be a nurse? What was that like? Well, it all started when I put in an application to Terrebonne as an extern. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get some experience because I was in school. And um, I went to the office where uh, Teresita was at, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, I asked her if they had peds because that's, you know, what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And she told me that we don't have peds mm -hmm. here. So she's like, uh, there's ER and then there's uh, critical care that's open. And I didn't know what to decide. Mm -hmm. So um, she actually chose critical care for me. And that's how I ended up in critical care. Nice. And, you know, and I've been there since then. What was that experience like, critical care? Definitely big change because um i used to tech in a small in a smaller hospital mm -hmm. 
and just going into like an actual a real ICU it's you know the machines the sounds I'm like this is this is so different compared to like the little small hospital you know Mm -hmm. the technology and everything too Mm -hmm. yeah and when did you decide growing up I want to be a nurse actually that's another story (laughs) tell us we're here for the stories in high school Mm -hmm. I had like I had so many things that I wanted to be so my senior year I'm like I really like cosmetology. I'm like, oh. maybe I should go the cosmetology route. But then I um, I got a local scholarship to Nichols, and then I got an, a scholarship from Nichols. So, you know, it, it was a better option just to go to Nichols. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I didn't want to be in the medical field. Oh, I was for- intimidated by it. Ah. Mm-hmm. So you did not want to be in a medical school. Correct. Gotcha. Why were you intimidated by it? It's just, I'm like, you know, anything medical it just sounds like i feel like i'm not smart enough for it i'm like so i should just take an easier route so i chose my major as dietetics i'm like okay i I think i can live with it and then summer came around and things were getting serious we started orientation and everything and then i saw the amount of chemistries that i had to take with dietetics and i'm like (laughs) "Mm -mm." no 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 (laughs) so i prayed about it And I'm like, I just want to make like the right decision. And something in me just made me choose nursing. And that's how I ended up in nursing. (laughs) So you did nursing at Nichols too? Mm -hmm. Ayo Hall. Ayo Hall. I'm a proud, I'm a proud colonel myself. Go colonels. Yeah, go colonels. Um, And what was nursing school like? So there's some chemistry there, but I guess not as much. I didn't even know there was a lot of chemistry and dietetics. I didn't know either. (laughs) (laughs) Until I saw. Or so much so that you you decide to do nursing versus diet. Correct. I did not know that. Wow, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. So in in nursing school, well, in prerequisites, Mm -hmm. you only had like one chemistry. And I was intimidated by chemistry. So I'm like, let's just do something else. (laughs) Just chemistry. Uh, what, What about chemistry? Was it that like you felt like, although to be fair, chemistry is a daunting subject just the subject itself yeah. and i'm like there's just there's math and science combined together i'm like you know i'll just kind of back off chemistry is a lot mm-hmm. chemistry is a lot I, I would i would admit that chemistry was also a challenge for me mm-hmm. in in um in undergrad did you stay on campus at Nichols? i didn't i commuted wow mm-hmm. that's also a, a a drive, mm-hmm. right? So you're still commuting almost an hour, if not almost an hour. Wow, wow. Uh, Mom and dad, uh, where what do they do? So my dad, he works for Sawa's Alligator Farm. So you know, they an alligator take, farm. Yes. So they take <laughs> care of the of the alligators from mm-hmm. when they're in their little eggs. Mm-hmm. They hatch them and they take them throughout the whole process to when they're big and they can use the skin they can use the meat for mm. everything so you know everything's profit you know, alligator yeah, yeah, yeah. alligator skin is so expensive so that definitely brings a lot of money you know mm-hmm. you see those fancy purses that come from you know alligator yeah, skin yeah, 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 yeah. so every part of an alligator it, it has its use you know and the food and the food some fried gator mm-hmm. that, that always comes up mm-hmm. down to buy you yes sir yeah and your siblings what 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 are so you are, like you said, second, second, second youngest, last. second youngest. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where, where is everybody else? Are they, is everyone still around in, mm-hmm. in Louisiana? Yes. We all still live together. Oh. We still live with mom and dad. I love it. I love <laughs> yeah. It. So my older sister, um, she did her undergrad at Nichols in psychology, mm-hmm. um, clinical mental health. And then, um, she's working on her master's. She's supposed to be graduating, may summer oh, with congrats. her masters congrats uh-huh thank you and um she she said it's an lpc so she does like a lot of like it's like therapy one-on-one um she really likes working with the kids so she gives therapy to kids mm-hmm. she goes to their houses they do like a one-on-one that's amazing mm-hmm. i should get her too on the podcast <laughs> that would be, be awesome to yeah have her on. yeah Hit is her she up. doing her masters at Nichols as well mm-hmm. wow yes I didn't know, is it, so is, is it clinical psychology for her or is it, is it, what kind of psychology? You said, so childhood psychology, but the masses itself, what, she, what she's focusing on? 
she mentions clinical mental health or something like that. I'm not too familiar with the subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but definitely, it's a it's a very important career. You know, I think we all need therapy at some point. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just talking with a previous guest um, about how I forget which exact which episode that one was that particular conversation was in, but I am now becoming a lot more appreciative of the idea of therapy i've I've, Mm -hmm. i haven't gotten it yet but in the back of my mind i'm always like i need to you know i need to have someone that can have you know kind of hash out those inner right inner things that are happening um that you never really could could you know bring out in any other situation right right. yeah so especially now in today's world it's so so challenging to to kind of cope in some situations Mm -hmm. and day-to-day life but in general, I definitely pro therapy. I'd love to, I'd love to get some insight on how that process is for certain therapists, especially when they're. Because I, I wonder how many people, when they first start, what that transition is from the therapist perspective. Right. Yeah. Right. Definitely, it's. I'm more open to it now. I've never really. I've always had this like bias against therapy. I'm like. If I go to therapy, then that means that I'm not okay. And it's right. like, I don't want people to think that I'm not okay because I'm going to therapy, but it's totally okay, you know? Everybody and, needs and it. And it's okay to not be okay. Right. I know that's kind of cliche now, but yeah, it really is okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, since you've been in, uh, since you just graduated from nursing, mm-hmm. right? What has been the... What what has been engaging you in the ICU or I don't know you like you also like the ED. Mm-hmm. What about the ICU and emergency room is 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 engaging to you that you said you were like, yeah, let me let me try this. And then even before that, why pediatrics? Oh, okay. So ICU, I think it's just the fact that you go so in depth with all these things. Mm-hmm. You look at something and it's a lot more complex if you dig into it, especially you know, I feel like we're big on cardiac, mm-hmm. you know, in where, the, we work, yeah. where we work yeah, at. Yeah, we do a lot of cardiac stuff. Right. And it's like the heart is just this this tremendous organ. It's it's not something that just pumps blood. It's it's a lot more than that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, the medications too, the drugs, just like going into the patho, going into everything. It's that fascinates me. I love to learn. I feel like I'm a lifelong learner and just learning new things. It's it's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then ER, it's like, it's that adrenaline, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, especially when you're in the trauma rooms, you don't know what's coming in through there. You just know you have to work together and try to figure it out. You're going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's the teamwork. It's the thrill. It's like stabilizing the patient. I think that's the part that, like, I fell in love with, yeah. you know. And, uh pediatrics because that's that's what you wanted to do first mm-hmm. you to work with kids yes so um i did my um clinicals at children's children's here in mm-hmm. new orleans and i just fell in love with the facility with the kids you know it's 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 so crazy how these kids are braver than a lot of us mm-hmm. as adults who end up in the hospital you know they did nothing to be in the hospital and they're so tough. They're like little heroes. They're little superheroes. And I'm that. like, maybe pediatrics is for me, you yeah. know? And I'm like, but it's going to be a long drive from where I live to there. I'd have to actually move here. To New Orleans. Right. To work at Children's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's... Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it's very emotional, you know? Like yeah. just dealing with the family and, you know, it's... And when they when they go down, they go down quick. Yeah. It's very they're not tiny adults they're it's something different I, lo- I, I love kids I don't think I could be a pediatrician mm-hmm. um, for the for the same reasons it's a uh, pain and suffering is it that that has a it's it's a cross to bear for anyone right mm-hmm. and to, to see that in a child versus an adult is a very different kind of, uh, it adds a little something else. Like mm-hmm. it, it really tugs in your heartstrings. Definitely. Um, when my son, my son was uh, about four months old, five months old, he had a really bad case of RSV. Mm-hmm. And that was harrowing. Like I was just like, I, 
it was just weird to see him and you know he had to be in the hospital he had to be on oxygen and all this stuff and and that's that's not even the worst of what some people go through right like right. So, so many people go through um so many other kids go through much 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 worse right and um so i whenever i think about that just the other day i was looking at pictures of when he was when he was in the hospital and i was like bald i was just crying <laughs> for no reason <laughs> for no reason uh, well, not for no reason, but for like it was just weird, and I know I can't imagine dealing with that on a day to day basis right. um, as as a provider, right? And mm-hmm. I work in ICU, and we deal with a lot there as well as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know something about kids, man. It's it's different. The the, the cry in a in a kid's uh, NICU or something like that is a different kind of cry. Different pain. Yeah, it's, it's... a different kind of pain. The pain of like. Do, what did I do to deserve this kind of pain? Right. It's hard right. to. It's hard to. It's, I'm eh, with you. I'm yeah, with you. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, as a as a as a means of community service, I might. <laughs> I, I could only do kids outpatient. How about that? Like outpatient. as opposed, to, yeah, as opposed to like emergency room or in the ICU, pediatric ICU. I could probably do outpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that case, you tend to be treating the, the parents more than the kids, actually. Right, yeah. right, because they do that. the speaking for exactly, the kids. Exactly, <laughs> and I know that because I, I've definitely sent my kids to the doctor to be seen for something. The doctor's looking at me like, really, <laughs> really, <laughs> why are you here? <laughs> I'm like, look at him. He's he's not feeling well. He's not like, doing okay. Her. Yeah, he's not doing okay. <laughs> Would you ever uh, go back to Pete's? If you had the opportunity? Maybe so. Yeah, yeah I see you. Yeah, yeah. P- pediatric I see you? Mm-hmm. Wow. So you kind of just make, uh, mix up the, the two things you like best right now. Right, right. Yeah. It's like before I graduated, I was like, PICU or adult ICU? Mm. Which one? Yeah. I think I remember that, that time because you were, you were really close to going to... To, to children's. To children's. I mm-hmm. think I remember it like... I think we had a conversation about we did, it. Mm-hmm. We did, we did, yeah. Well, we're ha- I'm, I'm certainly happy you came for uh, came to adults. And then you, you told me that I should go PRN here, here, yes. and then work full time over there. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. We did have that conversation. What, what do you like to do outside of, uh, outside of work? Well, I like to work out on my days off. I like to just the first two days that I'm off because I work seven on and seven off. So the first two days that I'm off, I like to just rest, Mm -hmm. decompress, and just try to, like, recuperate all the energy that I've lost, you know? Those are the first two days, you know? And then after that, I try to do things, you know, that I like. Um, I like to run a lot. I feel like it's it's a big de-stressor. Spend time Mm -hmm. with family, you know? It's definitely... I value family a lot, so... Especially those seven days that I'm gone, I miss them so much. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I yeah. wish we could go out. I wish we could eat out. You know, have a shopping day, and it's, I value that a lot. You know, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What what kind of running do you do? Do you do marathons? I did track in high school. Really? MVP in senior year. Oh, I was, um, but I really like to run long distances. I feel like after after I get to like mile three. You know, you just don't really feel anything. Right, yeah, you just yeah, yeah, yeah. you just you keep just going. going. I like long distances. What did you do in track? Um, so they made me do hurdles, which wasn't the best option for me. <laughs> wasn't the best at it. <laughs> I did relays and the hundred meter dash, um, but it's it's different because I didn't really like to run to compete. Mm. I like to run just for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's different. I'm like, I feel like I'm not doing. The, I feel like I'm not having as fun. You know, I feel like if I ran for fun, I'd do a lot better than competing. Right, 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 right. It's weird, but why? Why do you feel? Why do you think that is? Why? Why do you think running is more of a? At least it sounds like running is more of a of a therapy than than it is an activity to to achieve something right why is it like that for you i don't know i feel like i picked up on it maybe when i was like in sixth grade Mm -hmm. i feel like that's when i found out like man i really like running and when i was having some kind of stressful moment i'm like all right let's run 
So I'm running, I'm running. And it's like, I feel that like, usually my shoulders get tense. Like it, it starts to like slowly go mm. away. And it's like, you just think better. You breathe like fresh air. And I don't know, it's just been a therapy for me. What's the furthest you ever ran? I don't know. I think I've done like four to five miles just in the park, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I definitely want to do marathons. So you've never done a marathon? I've never done marathons. I've always been scared because there's so <laughs> many people on your side and I'm like, what if I run into them or something? Uh, I've never run a proper marathon in high school. I went to boarding school in Jamaica and in high school we would run like a, a half marathon or mm-hmm. something, something, not even, not even that, but we'd run around the school. It's in the countryside mm-hmm. and that was really, really awesome. And that was the last time I ever did any sort of long distance. Um, at Nichols, I would run around the campus, but it, Nichols is not my, our, our alma mater is not a big school per se. So like I would run around the campus, um, before I went and played basketball or something like that. Right. And that, that would be the longest I would ever run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I used to think of myself as a long distance runner just because of what we did in, in high school. Mm-hmm. And, but I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't been running as much lately. I can't even tell the last time I, I went on a, for, for a friendly jog. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're just so caught up with work and life in general. Yeah. But I can see how I probably need to be going out there a little bit more. I probably do. It's better like in nature, you know, like a a run outside doesn't compare to a run in the gym. It's it's a totally or a treadmill. different treadmill. Right. It's, Is it harder running outside versus on a treadmill? I think it's it's harder to run outside because mm. on a treadmill, you have like a set speed mm-hmm. and you're like on one little one little road. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like. Your everything's just like fixed for you versus when you're outside nobody's telling you at what speed you're going nobody's telling you if you're slowing down or anything and then you have like maybe you have a little like bump in the road so it's not all straight (laughs) it's more of a challenge yeah do you hike too there's not a lot of places to hike in louisiana but do you yeah i i i've never hiked before i was about to say i I feel like just just by hearing you talk you might be a you might you might be a closet hiker a, hi- a hiking candidate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. Definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, you should. Um, I have a few friends I've gone. I have a bunch of friends I love to hike. Uh, Raul, Raul Kamat, that was here, your, our previous guest. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he likes to be outdoors as well. And uh, he was talking about he likes to dive. He's a diver. Oh, really? So he, he does scuba diving. And um, he goes, you know, random hikes, not random, but he goes on hikes with friends and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I have, we have many friends, Dr. Kohal. Dr. Kohal, yeah, yes. Yeah, she, uh, she, another, another friend of the podcast. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like saying that. Friend of the show. Friend of another the friend show. of the show. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she also likes to hike. Um, what's, uh, what's, what's it like now with your parents? So is it, is it? Is there any sort of, I've had a few immigrants now here mm-hmm. on the show, and I myself am an immigrant. What, how do your parents look at you in terms of like, are, are they like beaming? You know, my, my daughter is a nurse or something like that. Yes, it's, it's so much pride, right? Because yeah, yeah. we came, we came from another country. We started from nothing and then we're here right. and we're only building up. You know, right. that's, that's always the goal to be better and better. And, you know, I've always just, I do a lot of this for them. You know, it's like every day I want to I want them to know that all the work and sacrifice that they did to get me through school, mm-hmm. to get me through all of my elementary, middle, high school. I want them to know that I appreciate it and that it's it's all been worth it cuz you know, we're here. We're in the hospital. We have important jobs. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. always so proud. They're like, "Oh, my daughter's a nurse." And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Any reason why you didn't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking this mm-hmm. just to kind of, you know, figure that aspect out. So you were afraid of medicine in mm-hmm. the beginning. Did you consider being a doctor? I did. Why not? Why didn't you become one? Intimidation. Mm. I was so scared of it, you know. And then my, my senior year of nursing, I'm like, you know, med school wouldn't have sounded so bad. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Senior, you said senior year in nursing, nursing school. You were like, oh, it's not too late. You could always be a doctor. It's definitely not too late. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, 
What kind of doctor would you be? Would you still now be? that I work in critical care, probably a critical <laughs> care doctor. It could be an opportunity for you to be a pediatrician or a pediatric <sighs> uh, intensivist. Yeah. That would be... Just making decisions for the kiddos, that's like... That's a tough spot. It is. It is. How do you feel that that difference it would be for you uh, from a nursing perspective versus, say, from a from a physician perspective? It's definitely a big a big transition, right? Because yeah. when you're a nurse, it's like, well, especially in critical care, you you try to you know work with the doctor. Maybe mm-hmm. you could suggest things to them, but at the end of the day you know, you're following their, their orders. Mm-hmm. You kind of rely on somebody that has, you know, better knowledge than you. When you're the doctor, you're, you're put on the spot. It's, it's up to you, you know, it's, you know, you're making a decision, you're making a call and it's like, is it the right one? Is it not the right one? Mm-hmm. You know? I think, I, I think nurses have, a different set of knowledge because there are a lot of things that nurses can do mm-hmm. that I will freely and gladly admit that is be, I have no capability of doing right mm-hmm. and it's a different set of knowledge that kind of comp- the idea is for it to complement each other right so like ours our knowledge versus and the nurses knowledge and experience and, and especially in the ICU you know you have you have some older nurses that have seen everything right right so as I myself, I still consider myself a young, uh, a young doctor. So mm-hmm. I, I like and I love to lean on my um, nurses in the ICU, right? So like, what, what do you think about this? Like, what, what right. have you, you know what I'm saying? It's meant to be collaborative. And, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's important for everyone, because it's teamwork, it's important for everyone on the team to have that sense of, you know, we're in this together for the patient, right? Correct. Um, we were talk. I was talking to my mom about you today, and I'm like, he's one of those doctors that, you know, you you can suggest something to it, and you just you just take it, and you're very receptive about it, and it's it feels good, especially as a new grad, mm. to have doctors who you know they have your back. Um, if you bring up an idea, they're they're open to it, you know. Yeah, I think that's important. I think, Very important yeah. for the, you know, just work environment and everything. It's it's so important. And you mentioned being a lifelong uh, learner. Um, I think in medicine, medicine specifically is a lifelong learning endeavor. Like it's changing so much. It is, mm-hmm. there's, there's always something to, to keep up with. Mm-hmm. And every patient teaches you something new. That's one of my favorite parts one of the favorite components of my job is really the people right so like the 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 patients that we take care of um their stories are always so unique and every once in a while you meet that that patient that like really draws you in into their life in such a way that you're just like wow this is a memorable memorable experience and i i love that i love that you know being it's like a um what's that english saying like a (laughs) wallflower like something on a wallflower where you can you're you're getting a glimpse into people's lives mm-hmm. that you otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to, um, and I love that. I love that about medicine. Unfortunately for us, and really unfortunate for the patients, it's it's almost in it's almost always in some vulnerable moment, and Correct. maybe that's why we get to see these parts of our of, of our patients. But um, that's some that's a privilege that I take. Uh, take very seriously it's really 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 awesome um to engage with that mm-hmm. yeah where would you like to where would you like to go next so now that you're starting what mm-hmm. what's what's what are what are your hopes dreams and aspirations with, within nursing and outside of nursing i think so the idea of anesthesia just just draws me in anesthesia? you know mm-hmm. mm crna possibly i mean i'm starting off right you know you start in the icu it's setting you up for Mm -hmm. success but then also it's like a debate between that and np acute care np you know i feel like time will tell which route i'll take but i'm right now i'm at the point where i just want to learn and learn and then maybe maybe time will tell me which way i should go 
you know. Do you have a, a, a particular preference between those two? I think anesthesia. Really? Mm -hmm. Why anesthesia? I don't know. I feel like it's such a cool job. Like every time I see a CRNA, I'm like, their job must be so cool. <laughs> they look so laid back, so so cool. And I'm like, I'd like to be you one day. <laughs> anesthesia. I, there's a. I saw a meme. Not even a meme. Like a skit from. Uh, I guess he's a he's a doctor that makes skits about other doctors mm -hmm. essentially, and he was making one about anesthesia. I saw it today actually, and basically how. They they have, from the outside looking in, they have a really 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 good job. <laughs> <laughs> except from the except obviously for when things get difficult. I also need to get someone on right. here to kind of clarify all of those uh, misunderstandings and misperceivings about anesthesia. But I would love, I would love to 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 hear what people think about that. Um, Anesthesiologists mm -hmm. think about that perception of themselves, like they're always so chilled and happy and. Right. You know, so. What's the key to that? What's the key to that? What are, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing back there? <laughs> what are y'all doing back there? Um, and anything outside of medicine, outside of nursing, that you would you would uh, you're looking forward to? Oh, that's a tough question. I feel like I feel like I'm getting to the point in my life to where it's like. I'm growing up, right? I feel yeah. like we've always been, our family, we've always been super, super close and mm -hmm. stuff. And I feel like I'm, I feel like it's time for me to get out of that nest, you know? Mm. I'm at that point and I'm like, you know, I want to have like new adventures and, you know, try new things, be an adult, you know? I, that's what I look forward to. I mean, just, just being more independent, doing more for myself and, at the same time, still being able to help my parents out in mm -hmm. every way that I can. I think that's my ultimate goal in life. Just keep them happy, you know, provide anything that they need as long as long as I have them. That's awesome. Um, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that when it was time for you to make the decision between dietetics, dietitian mm -hmm. and nursing, you prayed about it. I did. Um so your faith is obviously a strong uh, component of of, your, of who you are. Correct. Tell me a little bit more about that and how that has guided you um, through some challenges, I'm sure, as mm -hmm. uh, to, 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 to go from obviously coming from Honduras to... Did y'all come straight to Louisiana? Was it always Louisiana? We went to Texas for maybe like a few months mm -hmm. and then stayed a little bit with our aunt that mm -hmm. lives in Texas. Then we moved to Louisiana and we've been here since then. Right. It was for my dad's job. Right, 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 right. Cut off. Cut off Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> um, so faith and adjusting mm -hmm. to a new, a new country, new culture, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit more about that. So we've always been... Catholic. I think that's just our family's always been mm -hmm. religious, more on the religious side. And, you know, as a younger girl, you just kind of you just kind of go to church and you do the things because you see your parents do it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as you grow up, you actually begin to understand the the deeper meaning behind it. And it's like I feel like I have I've grown into like a very faithful woman mm -hmm. to where anything that happens in my life I know that it's God driven. Anything that happens, maybe it's not something that I didn't expect. I feel like it's it's perfectly planned by God. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens, whatever's coming my way is difficult as it is. I'm going to get through it because God put it in my way. If God put it in my way, I'm going to get through it, mm -hmm. and that's my solid belief. Mm -hmm. Because it's crazy how it can all be everything can look bad in one instance. Mm -hmm. And you have those turning points in life where like everything just turns around. So I have that solid belief as bad as it can be right now in a day, anything can change, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I always hold on to that faith wherever I go. I always try to let God guide me. And I think it's brought me to a good place. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I'm, I'm helping people out. I'm serving him by serving others. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the greatest gifts. I think, us in the medical field do right 
we're serving everyone and i think i think god looks at looks you know looks up to us and he just smiles at us all that work we're doing yeah, yeah. you know that's beautiful the the in the icu we we get challenged, I think, from a faith perspective, I think. In oh, ICU. 100%. Right, because, you know, well, in, in, in life, we get challenged. Mm -hmm. But in this particular case, and in healthcare, obviously, because um, you, you, just today I was, uh, uh, a colleague of ours was saying it's always the nice ones, like something bad is happening to, the, like, some, someone that, you you know, you meet. Right. Um, and, and at, I struggle with that sometimes, especially from where faith is concerned, right? So, like, when you see someone that otherwise seems like such a great person going through something so difficult um, and unexplained, a lot of times it's unexplained. Like, you think Correct. about kids, right? Um, kids, you know, carrying a burden that just seems unfair. Um, mm. But I love the way you put it. You know, if it's if it's in front of you. Um, you know, it's you, there for a reason. It's there for a reason. You get through it. I think Correct. that's beautiful. That's awesome. And it's like a lot of times you have these super religious and faithful families of mm -hmm. the patient that is going through something tough. And you're looking at the labs. You're looking at the results. Mm -hmm. You're forming a prognosis and you're like, this is not looking good. You can sometimes even form a timeline as of how much, you know, how much time they have left. Because sometimes you can kind of like guesstimate, you know, these labs aren't too viable with life. Right, right. And then you have the family on the other side telling you, they're going to be okay. Tell me they're going to be okay. And inside you're like, this this isn't looking good, you right, know, right, but. Right. How do you navigate that? It's hard. It's yeah. definitely hard. Um, one of the nurses that I worked with told me that, um, if they say if they see a positive in anything, you have to you have to go with it because you you gain so much out of, out of being a positive nurse mm. than saying negative things because say their urine output or something like that is nothing. The next day they make five little milliliters. The family looks at that and they're like, "Oh my gosh, they made urine. We're making a big step." Mm -hmm. So instead of putting them down and saying, "Yeah, but that's that's only five milliliters," you mm -hmm. can look at them and say, "That's right." They made five milliliters of urine. You just have to, it's hard. It's hard to word things to where you, you know, you, you try to be positive about the negative. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's, 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 it's a battle, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I try to be, I'm, I would consider myself a hopeless optimist. Um, mm -hmm. So I try to, I try to be hopeful. And I think I try to also uh, word my, the way I, the way I speak about the, the way I speak with my families and with my patients, I try to speak with hope, but try to also anchor that hope in reality. And that is, that is, a, it's a unique challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still learning on that process. Um, still trying to figure out, you know, what, what is the best way to go through that? And I think that's why I was asking you to see what, you know, but I like I like that you know yeah you're right you know that's that's the fact right so yeah you're right they made a little bit of urine mm -hmm. you know that is something and if you if they interpret that as a positivity then we shouldn't we probably shouldn't take that away from correct them, right yeah that's awesome that's awesome it's definitely it's it's something challenging because everybody interprets something different yeah so. Uh, you know, you try to speak with the facts, but sometimes the facts, they just sound so overwhelming and, and sad. So it's it's definitely speaking to different families. It's it's hard, you know. Yeah. Are you able to, you know, after you've had a hard day's work, I find that we were talking a little about, about this a little bit before the podcast, but I mm -hmm. find that the drive home is a time to decompress, right? to, to wind down. Um one of my, one of one of the things that's very important to me is to not bring home the burdens of work home, right? Um, how are you? You come home. You come home to a full house, right? So, mom, dad, brother, sisters, mm -hmm. brother, brother and sisters, brothers and sisters, yeah, brothers and sister. Um, how how are you able to separate the the burdens of work mm -hmm. and 
obviously home has its own burdens, but separating the burdens of work and making sure you're not bringing both into the other, into, into each space. I got to tell you, it's hard, <laughs> but that drive does help a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes what I do is I just turn off all my music and like how you were saying, just give yourself time to decompress. Mm-hmm. I just listen to the, the sound that my car is making as I drive and I just focus on that and I just try to empty myself of like all the negativity, give myself some time, breathe before I go into my house. Mm-hmm. Some days I could walk into my house and they can tell I had a rough day. Yeah, yeah, I try yeah. to hide it, but they just know. But um, our music too, music, uh, podcasts, podcasts definitely help. Just motivational speeches, anything to just kind of get my mind off of you know, all the chaos that may have gone through that day. Anybody else in medicine in your family other than you? No. You're the only one? Yeah. Wow. Maybe that's why I was also so scared of it. Because mm. <laughs> my older sister, she used to go through everything first, right? So she she went through middle school first, told mm. us how it was. She went through high school first, told us how it was. Then when it got to college, she chose a totally different major than me. Mm. And I'm like... I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, definitely in that sense, especially when you've had a, a, someone that has essentially been kind of guiding you through, giving you the, giving you the cheat codes on how right. to navigate and to switch from that to, you know, kind of you being the one to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any nieces and nephews that are like, you know, playing dress up nurse and they, they look up at you and they think, uh, well, we none of my siblings have kids yet, ah. <laughs> but it'd be cool to be the cool aunt, you know? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. That's 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 something that I'm really enjoying right now. So I have uh, I, have, I have a lot of friends um, and my brother uh, who has kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if it's because of me, but definitely saw him, wear, saw a picture of him. And they told me too, like. He was wearing a white coat and he had, a, you know, the kid, the kid, the kid's stethoscopes. And I have, a, I have a, a, another friend of mine who, like, her, their, their daughter is uh, is acutely aware that I'm a doctor. Oh, And so, okay. like, you know, when she plays doctor, I think. It's because you know, of you. I think it's so. It's because of you. I think so. And I have an ego. You do. And I will, accept, <laughs> I will accept, <laughs> I will accept that that ego isn't always anchored in reality. But. It makes me feel good that that's all that matters. I know. I know. I know that's, that is all that matters. (sighs) If you could, uh, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Strange, strange question. Strange question. I, think, I have a string of strange questions now. If you could have dinner with anyone, anyone alive, anybody that are alive, who would it be? Can it be more than one person? Oh, yeah, even better. I think my grandparents. I love that. Um, my, my grandmother on my dad's side was the only one that I had left. And in nursing school, she passed. Mm. I always wanted her to see me as a nurse, mm. you know, be proud, be proud from Honduras where she's, where she was at. So if I had the chance to have dinner with somebody, it would be with the grandparents from my mother's side and my father's side. We could all just see how, how I've grown, how, you know, the accomplishments that I've made, how far we've gotten in this country. It would definitely be a good, a good moment, a good yeah, conversation. I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So they knew, at least your grandmother knew you were in nursing school. She just wasn't by the time you graduated. Correct. She didn't make it. Yeah. And then my grandparents from my mother's side, they they passed when I was young. So my grandma was the only one left. And if you could go anywhere outside, well, not that's not Honduras. Mm. Okay. Where, where would you go? I'd go to Spain. Ooh. So much culture, so many different foods. It always looks like everybody's happy there. It always looks like the sun is out, the beaches. There's probably a bunch of anesthesiologists in Spain. 
<laughs> they all look happy. They must <laughs> they be from there. They must be from. Yeah. It all looks so full of culture and everything. It looks like they're always having fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. It just always looks like it. <laughs> Spain Spain is definitely on the list. Spain is definitely on the list. I mm-hmm. would I would if if I couldn't go back, if I if I couldn't choose Nigeria and or Jamaica. Um I think New Zealand for me. New Zealand, why? Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful country. Um, beautiful country. I love, I love the topography there. It looks like just mm-hmm. the, the place that is made for a screensaver, you know. <laughs> and I, I, I've had this conversation with with friends before, but I feel like New Zealand is the version of Australia mm-hmm. that was designed for humans, right? Everything in Australia is designed to kill you. They have the biggest, most venomous everything is in Australia. And I might be wrong about New Zealand, and New Zealand might have all these things as well, but New Zealand certainly has, oh my goodness, the lush greenery, the mountains, Mm. the the, all the things over there. I would love to go. Of course, it's it's on the it's on the literal other side of the of the planet. Um, Oh, yeah. But I would love to go to New Zealand. I don't know much about their like the food and anything Mm -hmm. about, you know, New Zealand, but I think just to see how, just to see the nature there Correct. Um, would be, would be something that would be, I need to put that on my bucket list. I need to make sure I get that done mm-hmm. ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. New Zealand. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if there is like, another place that quite has everything that New Zealand does have in terms of everything I just said. Right. I think other places have, maybe the United States at large, actually, because the U.S. is just such a big country and there's so much of everything here, right? So anything you can find almost anywhere else you can find here, but it's just like this place is so big. Yes. Um, yeah, because New Zealand is just, it's a, it's a, it's a group of islands, beautiful island, beautiful, uh, um, beautiful greenery and mountains. I love mountains. Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's what one thing I miss about, um, or one thing I miss in Louisiana is Louisiana doesn't have any mountains. Right. Um, right. I think that's probably the only thing I would complain about in terms of just uh, in terms of nature is there isn't a lot of terrain here, mm-hmm. and I wish there was. Um, but yeah. But yeah. Ah. Sounds like a good place to go. New Zealand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Lord of the Rings? No. What? (laughs) (laughs) So it's filmed in New Zealand. You got to watch Lord of the Rings. It's it's filmed in uh, New Zealand. Really? Um, At least as far as I understand, it is filmed in New Zealand. Um, So if you want to see what that's about, if you want to see like kind of what I'm describing, of course it has the... The, the the filters and all the stuff to, to right uh, right the orcs aren't there the orc, orcs and elves aren't in New Zealand mm-hmm. but um, definitely like you, you get to see all the things that I was telling you about that I really enjoy um, I'll definitely yeah watch something yeah <laughs> the at home I wanted to ask you this about the because you know we we kind of harped on this a little bit about cult about maintaining the culture at home mm-hmm. food music all that stuff. What what tell me a little bit about the food that you guys have? Oh, so I feel like we're pretty basic on food. <laughs> it's like, you know, they have like certain certain dishes that you you cook mm-hmm. in certain countries. I feel like we do that more for like special occasions. Mm. Other than that, like I mostly just meal prep. I do like my my grilled chicken and my veggies and my rice. It's very basic. Yeah, 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 um yeah. I feel like in the food part we um were more on the basic part not really that cultural the music mm-hmm. we listen to like our kind of music um we speak spanish in our house right, 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 right. so we keep that tradition going um but yeah it's you know it's and it's with our if i ever have kids too i want to always i want to keep the language going yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. never forget the spanish yeah do you think of yourself as a as a cajun <laughs> I do not. 
I do not. You don't think of yourself as? Do you think of yourself as a Bayou girl then? I mean, I guess. Um, I've never really adapted to that, like the to that side. Of, yeah. Uh, why do you think that is? I, I I think I was just the culture that I was born with is mm-hmm. the one I plan on being with for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, it's never really adapted to like you know their phrases, their accents, or anything like that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, because you you know you did the well. You've lived here longer than you've lived anywhere else, really. Correct. Um, so, like, you know, with school, I'm sure that must have been difficult. But I'm mm-hmm. sure going home to, that's probably how you get to maintain that. It's because at home, it's, a, it, it's, it's as if you're, you've never left, right? Correct. So, like, everything is kind of the same. You know, Spanish, music, all that mm-hmm. stuff is still, you know, pumping through at home. I think that's awesome. That's awesome. That's probably the reason why I never really like assimilated to the Cajun culture. You feel like you didn't? I feel like I didn't. Mm. But you, you can probably navigate it. Do you feel like you can navigate it seamlessly? Or? Oh, yes. Yes. Like I know so much about it. I know their phrases and everything. It's, you know, it's what I grew up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think then you are assimilated. You can, you can toggle through, mm, you could toggle true. through that and, uh, but more importantly, you're not, you haven't lost um, that part of you that is obviously for you is the most important. You haven't lost that culture. Um, I struggle with that with, uh, I'm Igbo. Um, it's my tribe from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So the language is one that I feel is slowly slipping away from me, right? Oh. A lot of the, because I, I don't have anyone to speak it with um, in, in my you know, person, my, my mom, my dad, um, they, they obviously both speak it and they speak, they speak it to us, but in day to day, there's no one that, that like I can speak that with. And I want to pass it on to my kids, but I fear, I fear I may not be able to. Oh no. Yeah. Does your wife speak? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Oh, that makes it harder. Yeah. Cause she's from here. She's from uh, new Iberia. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. She's a, uh, she's a Louisianan. So, <laughs> yeah, we don't have any Igbo, Igbo tribes in Louisiana. What's sad. Yeah. But it's okay. It's okay. Um, I think once I have the time, the plan for me would be to kind of make sure that my kids get exposed, right? So make sure, making sure they're spending time with their grandparents. And um, not once at a time. They are having. They are doing that right now. So making sure they're exposed to my to my to my mom and dad and all my, all of my family that is my extended family. Um, I hope to bring them to Nigeria and you know spend summers there and that will be helpful yes. for me too, right? So like you know that way I get to to um, relearn and rehash some of those uh, some of those aspects. So then that way we can come home and speak Igbo at home. That, you could do a podcast on Evo. I could. Like teaching teaching phrases or something. Uh-uh. And that way I learn myself too. Correct. Or at least keep it keep it uh keep, keep it, it going. Yeah. There's something in medical school. I, I'm glad talking about language. There's something I, I, w- I wanted to ask you. They teach us in medical school, at least it was some one of the components that they taught us was basically um the differences in how cultures perceive providers, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just talking even today with one of our colleagues, um, a cardiothoracic surgeon, about how one of our patients just had a cabbage mm-hmm. and he only spoke Spanish, right? He's from, I forget where he's from. I think he's from, I don't know. I think Guatemala. Guatemala? I yeah, I think he's from Guatemala. And... He was so thankful. So, and, and I find that to be consistent amongst um, Lat- Lat- Latinos and Latinas. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, and there is a, a, I remember reading a book in America's School about how that in the culture, a lot of the, uh, the Spanish speaking cultures have a natural, um, respect for for medicine and medical providers do you feel like that is the case definitely is the case where does that come from do you know 
I think it's more of the fact that you look up, you know, you have somebody that's taking care of you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're in their hands. They're a lot smarter than you. They're a lot more knowledgeable than you. And you can't help but be grateful for that. You it's you look up at them with a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. Um at least that's how all of my family is. My mom, every time she visits the doctor, she's just so thankful and, and she asks questions and every time they explain something to her, she's like, Oh my gosh, that makes sense. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's this resp- I think we're just naturally born with it. Yeah. It's like you you don't really mistrust a doctor. That's, I know in some cultures that's very normal. Right. right to not trust right, the right. physicians. Yeah. But and I think that's that's the key right there, is the mistrust. Mm-hmm. Or or the doubt, and I'm not saying you know, not no one is perfect, right? But I think that's what it is. It's it's the, there isn't a lot of um, of mistrust is the word. There isn't a lot of mistrust mm-hmm. that's that's off the gate because a lot of times it comes off you know, just in the meeting, like you know, yeah, I'm not gonna listen to what he says or what right. she says, but. Yeah, and we we come from third world countries too. So a lot of us we don't we're not really exposed to much much of the science, much of the medicine. You come to the United States, you're like, "Wow, like they're so smart, they know so much." I think a lot of it comes from that too because mm. we come from not much. Okay. And then we get exposed to all of this. We have access to so many things that we didn't have access to back in our countries. Is there is there any like in any situation where someone is uh, spanish speaking and only spanish speaking and of course you you are their caregiver um and they they hear you and they mm-hmm. know that you understand them and you know i imagine there's a connection there definitely w- what's that connection like it it feels like one of your own is just they have your back mm. like that's kind of curious because there was this guatemalan that i took care of before he went to have his hope and heart surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, the way you described him, it sounded like exactly the guy I took care of. <laughs> so grateful, so knowledgeable. And wait, where, where are you from? I'm oh. from Guatemala. Where are you from? I'm from Honduras. We're like, we're basically neighbors. It's a, it's a connection. <laughs> we're like, oh my gosh, became buddies that yeah. day, had a whole conversation and everything. It's, it's this connection. Like it's, you feel like you belong someplace. In a world where you have, you know, races that aren't you, you have somebody that that's taking care of you and you make that connection with it's you can't really describe it, but it's it's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely one of the reasons I want to learn other languages. I, I'm working on Spanish myself mm-hmm. right now in some ways, but definitely one of the reasons I want to learn a lot, learn other languages, Spanish being the first one. Because mm-hmm. it's becoming, if it's not already, a primary language in the United States, right? Um, so, so I can at least have not, not not that connection, but at least alleviate some some to, to to make it feel a little bit more comfortable, right? So, like if someone speaks your speaks your language, it makes a dip. I, I think it makes a big difference when you yes. hear your language. You know, yes, um, language is so much a part of who we are as people. And carries so much of our uh, everything, our, our identities. It's kind of tiding so much into our language, and um, when so, it's a, it's a good way to kind of ease into the into the anxiety. If you're already in the hospital, you have so much to think about. Let alone someone's talking to you, and you and you you're having to translate in your head, or you don't even understand what they're saying. Right. It's it's different because yeah. you don't. You know, it's like my mom too. She struggled a lot because she still struggles, you know, with, with her English. And if she has a doctor that speaks Spanish, oh my gosh, she just tells, different. tells them everything. She feels very free. And I, I, you know, I can only imagine how good that feels. Did, did you, did you, were you speaking uh, English before you came here? No. You had to learn? I had to learn it. What was that like? Um, so it actually helped because I went I didn't go to pre-K or kindergarten in Honduras. Right. I went straight to first grade and I only went there for like maybe a month. In Honduras. Correct. Right. And then we moved here and I feel like it just, it worked out for the best because I didn't know how to read or write in, 
in Spanish, mm -hmm. and I came straight to learning it here. That mm. also helped a lot. Helped a lot that I was six years old too. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. kids are so smart. We just adapt quick, and um, it was my parents would make us sit the four of us together and speak only English. So that helped out a yeah, lot yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And definitely having siblings um, mm -hmm. that you could go through that with. Imagine you guys, all of that experience was really uh, bonding, I guess. Kept you, well, you guys have always, sounds like you guys have always been a very close family anyway. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Vivian, thank you so much for coming by. This was, this was really nice. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the show.